Before we look into God's word, let us uh, speak with him. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much that you have not just existed and stayed away from man, but that you are still involved with man and that you speak to man. Lord, we thank you that you speak through your word, that what we have before us is not just any book, it is the book. It contains God's words. Lord, help us to not just skim over these words and like we would any other book, but help us to really reflect upon the fact that you are speaking to us this morning through your word and help us to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ as a result of listening to your voice this morning. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Well, we hope for many things in life, don't we? What is hope? Hope concerns those things that we would like, that we have a desire for, and we don't currently have, but we hope that they will happen in the future. Concerns the future. And we have a particular desire for something, and we want to see that come to fruition in the future. I, when I was away on holidays, hoped for many things while I was away, and those generally concerned food for most of the time that I was away. I consider a good holiday is a good eating experience. And so one night after we'd had gelato three nights in a row, uh, I considered that probably this is a bit excessive, so this night I would have gelato with pancakes to mix it up a bit. And so I had my heart set on gelato with pancakes. And so we went for a a considerable walk after dinner and, uh, and so that I would wear off some energy so that I would be able to eat the gelato and not feel so guilty. But by the time I got to the gelato shop, it was 7.30 and they closed at 8 and they said the, the kitchen closes for pancakes at around 7, maybe 6.30, about an hour before they close themselves. And so that night I didn't have the pancakes that I hoped for. Instead I had to hope for them the next night and show up earlier and have them then. We hope for many things and often it concerns meals But there are many other hopes that we have in the world. We have hope for financial security, for ourselves, for the country, for the globe at the moment. We are all, uh, many people are concerned about uh, what is happening with finances around the globe. We also have other global concerns in the sense of uh, war, where we hope for peace, and peace is one of those things that has been hoped for century after century. Uh, We also have this hope about uh, global warming, uh, that carbon won't increase to such an extent that uh, the the heat will go uh, past the the temperature gauge on the planet and we'll all be consumed in one uh, ball of fire. People have many hopes concerning global warming today as well, not just the global financial crisis that is going on. But Christians also have a hope that is particular to them, that other people do not share. And that hope is that we will be saved from our sins and instead of dying and going for eternal punishment in hell for our sins, instead we will be cleansed of our sins and taken to be with the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven and reign with him. We have a particular hope that is unique to Christianity. And Peter talks about this hope in this letter that we've begun to look at. Uh, This is our second week now. He talks about this hope and gives us a number of the characteristics that this hope has. 
And that's what I want to look at this morning. If you've got a Black Church Pew Bible, it would be good for you to open it up. Or if you've got your own Bible, open it up. If you're using the Church Bible, it's page 1200. And we're looking particularly at chapter 1 of 1 Peter, verses 3 through to verse 5. And looking at this hope that Peter teaches us about, this Christian hope. And I've got five points about this hope and if you've got a church bulletin there, they're on the back there for you to see where we're headed. And the first point that I want to make that Peter tells us is that our hope, Christian hope, is grounded. It is grounded. Hope without a basis is basically stupidity. You need a basis for your hope. And the Christian hope is not a blind hope. It is not a leap of faith from nothing No, it is grounded on something. Just like when we hope for something else, we usually have some good grounds to believe that it will come about. So when I hope that there will be something nice for dinner, that hope is based on the fact that Jill is cooking and not me. There is some grounds for the hope that I have that I'll have a nice dinner. And it is the same with Christianity. It is grounded in something, the hope that we have. What is it grounded in? Well, one of the first things that Peter tells us is grounded in is in verse uh, 3, he opens up with praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and then he says, in his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Firstly, we see that our hope is grounded in the mercy, not just mercy though, the great mercy of God. Of God. And this makes sense. We are sinners. We have sinned against God. And so we need forgiveness. We need forgiveness from the one that we have sinned against. Who have we sinned against? We sinned against God. And so then it needs to depend upon His mercy if we are going to have that forgiveness. We are at His mercy. And thankfully, He is a merciful God and so our hope is grounded upon his great mercy for us. The reason we believe that we will be saved and go for eternity in heaven is because God is a merciful God. He is a greatly merciful God. The other thing that we see, our hope is grounded on. Firstly, it's his great mercy. Secondly, we see it's grounded upon the new birth. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. And this makes sense as well. We need a whole new person if we are going to be okay in heaven. Heaven is a place where there is no sin, there is no evil. So how can we as sinners, as evil people, go and dwell there? How can we be saved? We need a whole new self. We need not just something to come upon us and join with us. We need to be regenerated. We need to be transformed. We need a whole new birth if we are going to be saved, if we have that hope that we'll be saved. And that's what we have. God has given us a new birth. A whole new self is given to the Christian and that is what you ground your hope on. Not that evil, sinful self that you were before, but on the new, righteous person that you were given through the new birth. And so when you go into heaven, you will not go in as a sinner and an evil person. You'll go in as a cleansed person, someone who has been washed from their sin and instead is a righteous person. What else is it grounded in? Great mercy, new birth, into a 
living hope, it says there as well. Our hope is grounded in life. It is a living hope. It is alive. What does that mean? Well, it means it's not a dead hope. It's a hope that is alive. It is going to keep on going and be sustained until the hope reaches its fruition, until what we hope for actually comes. It will not go crop go cold and die off and the hope will stop being a hope. No, it will continue to go on. It is a hope that is alive. And the other thing that we see that also relates to life, we see this word living is sandwiched between two other living concepts. The new birth is all about life. What is the next thing that tells us it's all about life? What is our hope grounded in? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Our hope is grounded in the fact that Jesus came back to life after he died, that he was resurrected. How does that help us? What does the resurrection of Jesus Christ indicate? Well, it indicates at least two things, two major things. Firstly, the resurrection of Jesus Christ indicates that what he did on the cross was sufficient for God the Father's wrath. The anger of God that God has against sin Jesus paid for it. If Jesus had stayed dead, it shows that the Father was not satisfied. But the fact that Jesus came back to life shows that God says, yes, it is finished, it is okay, and Jesus comes back to life. The other thing it shows is that it is possible to live after death, that you can come alive as well. Jesus has done it. And so if we are ready to listen to him, we can do it too. There's a good, strong chance. He actually came back to life. So if we want to come back to life, we should really be listening to him. It's kind of like if I want to hope uh, to climb Mount Everest. I base that hope upon the fact that other people have done it. And if I really want to go and do it, it would make sense that I should go and listen to those people who have done it previously and get advice about how to do it. And it's the same with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He has done it. So if we want to do it as well, if we want to be raised to life, we should listen to him and ask him, how too can I be raised to life? And thankfully he tells us in his word that if we become a Christian, if we repent of our sins and believe in him, we can be raised as well. So we see that our hope as a Christian is not an airy-fairy leap of faith from nothing. No, it is grounded in something. It's grounded in his mercy. It's grounded in the new birth. It's grounded in the fact that it is a hope that will continue. It is alive. And it is grounded in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is secure. It is anchored to a solid foundation. What else do we learn about this hope? Well, secondly, we learn that the Christian hope comes with an inheritance. Verse 4 and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. We have an inheritance with this hope. This hope is about an inheritance that we have in heaven. And this is a very unusual inheritance. Inheritances we hear about all the time. You may have even received them. But this inheritance is very different from the inheritances that we usually come into contact with. What does he say there? He says three things about it. And into an inheritance that can never perish. 
It can't die. This inheritance can't die. It is immortal. Now, why is that an important point to make? Well, inheritances in this world do die. If you inherit uh, something like a, a, a car, will that car go on and on forever? Will it continue eternally? No, it's very likely that it will die at some point and you'll either have to discard it or you'll have to repair it in some way and give it a new engine or repair it. Inheritances can die and if you inherit animals, livestock, and we don't so much do that uh, in the city here and in our time, but in the past that was part of the inheritance was the animals that you inherited. Did those animals live forever? No, they would die. And so you had to take good care of them and make sure that they reproduced so that you had more ongoing animals from those, uh, that inheritance that you had. But this inheritance, it does not die. The other thing that it says about it is that it doesn't spoil. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil. What does it mean to be spoilt? Well, the word there has the, the connotation of sin that it's contaminated by sin. And the inheritances that we have in this world are often contaminated by sin. You may inherit money and then someone comes along and rivals that inheritance and they do so dishonestly. And so you have to defend your inheritance. And so even if they don't win part of the inheritance, lawyers eat up the, the part of the inheritance in the fees that they will take. And so before you know it, that inheritance that was there is a lot smaller than it was. And uh, the other thing that can happen is that thieves come and steal part of your inheritance. Sin can spoil it. It can also be spoilt in the fact that it is spoilt inheritance to begin with, that it's contaminated by sin. If you inherit a business from your father who was a bit of a crook and you've got this corrupt business that works uh, by tax dodgers and, and uh, all the kinds of things that corrupt businesses do... Uh, if you inherit that, it's a tainted inheritance. It's contaminated by sin. But this inheritance in heaven isn't like that. It isn't contaminated by sin. It can't be, uh, it can't be corrupt within itself. It can't be stolen by thieves. It can't have someone dishonestly rival it and take it away from you. It can't spoil. And the other thing we see about it is it can't fade. Time erodes all things, including the inheritances that you receive in this world. You may inherit great wealth, but the great wealth that was so great when you inherited it, if you just let it sit in the bank, eventually it won't be so great. If you look at the inheritances that people received, if you go back 50 years, 100 years, very small. Inflation always continues to make things fade. It will continue to dwindle that wealth away and it isn't worth what it was in the past. And the other thing that happens is with an inheritance, you may inherit something very beautiful, something very good, but what happens in your mind? It's wonderful when you first get it, but over the years, that possession that you love so much, you might inherit some wonderful car. You know, oh yes, it was great at first, but gradually it starts to fade in your mind and the value starts to be removed. But this inheritance in heaven, it doesn't fade. Think of that. The excitement you have when you first get it will continue on and on. It won't fade. It won't cease to be such a great thing. It will continue on and on forever. Now how is this possible? Well, 
It's an inheritance that isn't contained in this world, as I've alluded to a few times. Those inheritances that spoil, that perish, that fade, they're in this world. But this inheritance cannot spoil, perish or fade because it is where? Verse 4, kept in heaven for you. It's there where no thieves are. It's there where no sin is. It's there where no perishing goes on, no death in heaven. It is safe there. So, we've seen, firstly, that the Christian hope is grounded. Secondly, that Christian hope comes with an inheritance. What else do we see? Well, the Christian hope, thirdly, comes with protection for the hoper. Verse 5. Kept in heaven for you, comes at the end of verse 4, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. An inheritance is only safe while the inheritor is alive. If you inherit a great fortune and then die, is it still your inheritance? It's someone else's inheritance after you're gone. And so an inheritance is only safe as the inheritor is. And that's where we see that this inheritance that we receive from God, that we hope for from God, is, comes with a protection for the, the hoper, for the inheritor. How are we protected? Well, it says, verse 5, Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. We are protected by God. The word there, shield, uh, the word can sometimes in some contexts mean uh, to be protected from people attacking. So shield is a good word there, you're protected. But the other times that it's used can also mean that uh, people are kept under guard, that you're in prison or kept there. And so what is going on here, is the word is probably better guarded or protected And so what we see here is that this inheritance that comes with protection, it comes with a very good protection. It comes with a protection that protects you from people attacking, but it also protects you from yourself, from running away from your inheritance when you should probably stay. God protects you and he does it with his power. It's not any power that protects you. It's God's power there. And so you're shielded, protected, guarded so that you will definitely inherit this marvellous inheritance. And how does he do this? He does it with his power. What's the instrument? By what does he do it? Well, it's there at the beginning of the verse. Verse 5, Who through faith are shielded by God's power. Notice there how he does it. It's by faith. It's not by faith and works that you're shielded by God's power. It doesn't read that. Who through faith and works are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time? No. It is by faith alone that you are shielded by God's power. You're protected by the faith that you have. God uses your faith to give you that protection. And so if you want to be protected... Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in God's power and he will protect you so that you will definitely inherit that marvellous inheritance. 
And then fourthly, we've seen that it's grounded hope, we see that it comes with an inheritance, we see that it comes with protection. Fourthly, our Christian hope has a time limit. A hope that goes on forever is really no hope at all. It's a tease, isn't it? If it's never going to happen, then it's not worth hoping about. But we see that the Christian hope actually comes to fruition. It is time limited and we see this in verse 5. Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. It will come. It has a time limit. When does it, why, why can't we have it now though? You may want this inheritance. We've talked it up. Sounds great. I want it today. I want this inheritance that doesn't perish, that doesn't spoil, that doesn't fade. I want it now. Is it because it's not ready? No. What does it say? Until the coming of the salvation, that is ready to be revealed in the last time. It's ready. It's ready to be had. So why can't we have it now? Because God hasn't said so. It's ready. He's just going to give the the call for the curtain to happen and it's all over and it will happen. And this makes sense. We, it's kind of like when we, uh, if you are hoping for dinner, when do you eat your dinner? Well, you eat it not because it's ready. Sometimes you don't eat it because it's not ready, but because it's dinner time. The food is ready to go, but you wait until it is dinner time to eat the food, particularly if it's not food that needs preparation. It's just if you like... I used to sometimes do, I have dinner of uh, chips or something that is um, unhealthy, it's all ready to go. But we don't eat everything that is ready. If we went into the supermarket and just ate everything because it's all ready, we wouldn't be caring for our bodies. Just because something's ready doesn't mean you have it now. We care for our bodies by eating when it is right to eat. And it's the same with this salvation, this inheritance, this hope. We don't have it now, this salvation and this inheritance, we don't have it now because it's not best for us to have it now. God in his wisdom has said, no, it's not dinner time. You can't have it now. And I know best. Yes, you're like a little child that constantly wants to eat, that is ready for dinner now, particularly if it's something sweet and is going to ruin their appetite. No, God says, wait. It's ready. Yes, yes, don't worry. It's not like I'm still making your inheritance. It's ready to go. You just have to wait. But it will come. Your hope has a time limit. Your inheritance has a time limit. It will come. So we've seen it's grounded, comes with an inheritance. Our hope has protection. It is ready to come when God says. And then lastly, we want to look at the result of this hope. What does this hope result in, in this life? We have this hope. Does it have any results for us? Why does Peter tell us about this hope and all the great things that come with it? Well, this hope results, my fifth main point, Christian hope results in praise and rejoicing. We see the rejoicing in the next verse, in verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice. Greatly rejoice. This hope, this inheritance that you have, it leads you to greatly rejoice in God. And 
to praise him. Where is that? Where do I get that from? Well, at the beginning of this passage, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he goes on. You're waiting for dinner. You want it now. What are you going to do while you wait? While you wait for this inheritance, what are you going to do? Praise God that you have it. Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ for this marvellous hope that he has given you, for this marvellous inheritance that is coming and rejoice in it. If you're a Christian, do you praise our God and Father and rejoice in him because of what is revealed in this passage? Do you praise God for his great mercy and rejoice in it? Do you praise God for the new birth, the fact that you're given a whole new regenerated self? Do you rejoice in that and praise him? Do you praise God for the living hope that you have, that it's alive, it continues on and on. It's not a dead hope, it's an alive hope. Do you rejoice in that? Do you praise God for the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and what that indicates and rejoice that he came back to life? Do you praise God for the never perishing, never spoiling, never fading inheritance that you have in heaven and rejoice in thinking about it? Do you praise God for that faith that he has granted you that by God's power shields you and protects you so that you do inherit that wonderful inheritance? And do you praise God that it is ready for you to have and that there is a time limit? It's not a tease, this hope that we have. It will come. It will come, this inheritance that we're after, this salvation that we're getting, Or would you rather moan and grumble about not having the inheritance or the things that are happening in this life? You don't it's not that you curse God, but you don't praise him as you should. And it's not that you uh, you you don't really uh, go down into depression, but you just don't rejoice about these things. If that is you as a Christian, then you should be ashamed. We have this marvellous hope and it should lead us to praise God and to rejoice in him. And if you don't praise him and rejoice him about this, you should be concerned. Consider what you are doing and whether you truly have become a Christian whether you truly have understood what your salvation entails, what God has done in the Lord Jesus Christ in forgiving your sins, you should be concerned if you don't praise God and rejoice in him for what he has done. And if you're not a Christian and you're here this morning, look at this hope that we have and be jealous of it. I invite you to be jealous of what Christians have what is described here in these verses. And then don't just be jealous. Have it. Take it for yourself. All you have to do is repent of your sins and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn to him and ask for that salvation that he promises to give, that eternal life that you can have. Just as Jesus was raised from the dead, you too can be raised from the dead as well. And then join with us in praising the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and rejoice greatly at what he has done 
for you as well. Let us speak now with our God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this marvellous hope that you have given us, that it is not an airy, fairy hope that is not grounded, but it is grounded in great truths, that you are merciful, that you have given us new birth, that this hope is alive and that it is grounded in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we thank you so much for what this hope entails, that we have an inheritance that will never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for us, O Lord. And we thank you that you protect us so that we do not lose that inheritance, that through faith we are shielded by God's power. Lord, it is so wonderful to know that you protect the inheritor. And Lord, we pray that we may look ahead to that time when it is going to be ours. It is ready. We are waiting, Lord. Help us to wait peacefully and while we wait to praise you for what you have done and to rejoice greatly in this marvellous hope that we have. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.